there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. Hello and welcome to the Your Politics podcast from RTE News. I'm Sandra Hurley and I'm joined by Sinn Féin Justice spokesperson Martin Kenny and political reporter Tommy Meskel. Martin, welcome. Thanks for Thank joining you us. Thank So I wanted to ask you first, there's a lot of speculation in Leinster House about the impact of the census figures, the population going over 5 million, every TD kind of looking at what is it going to mean for their yeah. constituency because we're hearing there's going to be at least 11 new TDs. What's it going to mean for Sligo Leitrim? Both counties, Sligo and Leitrim, have increased population so that they will probably be able to sustain that and stay at a four-seater afterwards. Uh, I mean, across the country, there, there, there's huge change. I think Longford Westmeath is probably going to go into a, a five-seater as well, a neighbouring constituency to me. So, you know, we, we'll see changes. That's undoubted. So are you uh, sleeping easy at the moment? Every I, well, look, politician worries we, about their seat? Yeah, well, we had we had a situation a number of years ago where Leitrim was split in half, where we had South Leitrim with Roscommon and North Leitrim with Sligo. And that was a really problematic because it was, the county was practically split exactly in half. And it, it was a huge difficulty for to have a TD in Leitrim at that time. I don't expect that that will happen again. And I certainly hope it doesn't anyway. And I think, in fairness, most people would, would accept, you know, that that's, that's a very bad thing to happen. Sometimes, you know, a couple of parishes go into another constituency. That's bad enough. But when you have a, when you have a county split in half, particularly a small county with a low population, it gives them very little chance of having all representation. And that would be very negative for Leitrim. And uh, Sinn Féin, of course, riding high across all the polls mm-hmm. at the moment in the kind of, all put generally in the mid-30s figures. We're a good bit out from the general election, but do you think that yeah. level of support is sustainable or is the party in danger of peaking too early? Yeah, I know we, we hear that at times. Um, to be honest, Sandra, my experience on the ground is that we are peaking and that people are, you know, coming to us, that there's, there's a, you know, a difference in attitude. And, you know, you, you know it when you go out and you meet people, people are, are I suppose, seeking change. And, and they see Sinn Féin as the, the reflection of that change and they want us and encouraging us. And, you know, I, I put the photograph up in the window there a couple of weeks ago in the constituency office of all our representatives from across the 32 counties when we were here in Leinster House when the new MLAs were elected. And so many people who I didn't expect stood at the window looking at and then came in to say congratulations, well done. Many people who, you know, were in rural Ireland, we know everyone or we're supposed to. Many people who I knew from their family background would have been traditionally Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and other parties are of no political allegiance. But they were all certainly very encouraging and uh, I think hopeful that they'll see Sinn Féin in government and that they'll see change delivered by that. And are you going to have to bring in a running mate? So uh, that's what we're hearing for uh, most Sinn Féin TDs. Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're expecting that we will have to, you know, in, in the last election, we came in the back of a couple of poorer elections, particularly the local one, which had only been a year beforehand. And, you know, we were a little bit cautious. And as happened, the, they came to swing to us. And, you know, in, in many constituencies where we could have run to, including ours, we didn't. But that certainly won't be happening again. Uh, Mary Lou MacDonald tells everybody, I won't make that mistake again. <laughs> there'll, be, there'll be plenty of, of, of additional candidates put on the ticket across the country. So let's move on to the government this week announced a landmark strategy on domestic sexual and gender based violence. It's called mm-hmm. a zero tolerance strategy. There's a 363 million euro investment and it's really ambitious. They're going to they're aiming to double the number of refuge spaces. They're going to set up a statutory agency to overlook this. They're updating primary and secondary school curricula. There's, you know, changes on the prosecution side as well. It's hugely ambitious. Yeah. Do you think it can be achieved? I think it has to be achieved. 
I think it is ambitious and, and, and you know, you know, fair wind to it. We, we want to see it happen as fast as possible. And I, I think one of the primary things we need to see is around that issue of refuges. I, I'm in Sligo Leitrim, there's no refuges in either county and there's nine counties across the country that doesn't have any refuge. And uh, the proposal to double them, but I think that's over five years, I'd hope that to be more ambitious than that, that it will be a lot less than five years when we'd see that happen. Uh, I'm aware that, you know, this is an issue that has, I, I, I personally, I think it's, it's a pandemic among a lot of people out there. A lot of families really suffer. And, and we don't see all of it because a lot of women that are in those kind of crises, they don't go to agencies. They go to their mother or they go to their sister. They don't report it. It's, it's, uh, I think the, the, the official figures are only a portion of the problem. But uh, that said, uh, we have we have a huge problem in Ireland with regard to, to violence against women. And it's a men's problem by and large. And that's something that men need to deal with and need to face up to. And we, we need to ensure that we have effective laws to deal with that. And we need to also, as a society, to reflect on where we're going and how we've got into this mess. Because it is it is a crisis for so many families out there. Because it affects not only the woman that's abused, but also their family and extended family. And, and you know, it's, it's it's just so so terrible and, and such a, a, a blight in our, in our society. One of the things that the agencies involved here have welcomed is that there's going to be a cabinet minister leading on this. So mm -hmm. the Justice Minister, Helen McEntee, has put herself front and centre here. Right. She's, go she's going to lead on all of this. If there was a change in government, that could be you. But does Sinn Féin have the buy-in? Is this a priority for Sinn Féin? Uh, it certainly is. In actual fact, our party leader is, is the person who leads out on this more than myself at the moment. Uh, but that said, I work very close with her, closely with her in respect of all of those issues. And, you know, I think it's in the right department because it is a justice issue. It is a crime to, to, to attack somebody, whether it's your spouse, whether it's whether, let it be a man or a woman, if they're, if they're attacked in their home, if they're a victim, victim of domestic violence. That is a crime and it needs to be dealt in that way. But it has a whole lot of other societal issues as well. You have talking about Tusli, you're talking about, you know, a whole lot of other agencies that need to be part of that. But primarily, I think uh, it needs to be with justice. And there was a row this morning at the Justice Committee on the government move to bring in emergency data, or sorry, emergency legislation on data retention. So we're joined by our political reporter, Tommy Meskel, who was watching the committee. First of all, Tommy, explain to us what is this legislation and why are they bringing it in? Well, it was it's being brought about in the context of the Graham Dwyer case and that ruling from the Court of Justice of the EU that the use and retention of his phone data was unlawful. Uh, and so now the department has drafted this new legislation, which will take account of that ruling and put it into Irish law. Uh, we know from the heads of bill that was published last week that data can be accessed on national security grounds uh, and it can be retained for a certain time period. And there's concern around that. Uh, but what we heard from the Oireachtas Justice Committee this morning when uh, members met was that there remains a lot of concern around this bill and that members feel that they haven't been afforded sufficient time to scrutinise it. Yeah, and what kind of things were they saying? They really feel that it's being rushed through. The government wants to get it uh, passed probably before the recess, do they? Yeah, so it's likely to go uh, before the doll, I think, next Friday. Um, when the legislation, the heads of bill was published last week, the department uh, sought for uh, pre-legislative scrutiny to be waived, but the Oireachtas Justice, Justice Committee uh, refused that. And so today we had that scrutiny. Uh, there was actually a bit of confusion, though, during the hearing because we had uh, Deputy Thomas Pringle, who uh, felt that perhaps... 
the deadline for amendments was actually this morning, and so the the meeting had to be adjourned. You had to seek clarity on that. Uh, the committee chair, James Lawless, came back and and said that yes, there would be time for amendments after the committee hearing, but it's still going to be uh, pretty squeezed, yeah. it seems. Um, and then just from various deputies and senators, there was just various expressions of concern around dis- different aspects of the bill. Um, the Committee Chair James Lawless took issue with this 90-day limit where uh, DAT could be held for up to 90 days, but after that uh, it would it would have to be scrapped really. Uh, and his fear would be that in the context of this whole thing, that uh, cases such as Graham Dwyer's, you know, the the the, the access of information was sought long after the 90-day the period, uh, and so the, the, he would feel that it should be longer than 90 days. So, Martin, you were at the committee. What do you right. make of it all? Uh, look, it is it is a difficult situation. I mean, we, we are in a situation where the, the, the European Courts of Justice have come back and said, look, you can't have mass monitoring of the population, which is effectively what had been happening up to now. And uh, at the same time, we have to have some uh, measures in place that Gardaí can do their job and have the effective tools for to do their job, particularly when we have very serious crime out there. And as the Gardaí pointed out today, you know, usually it's after the crime happens that they start their investigation, so they have to go retrospectively back looking for the information as to who had phones where, what, what areas they were moving in, who they may have been in contact in this legislation will bar them from doing that. And that that is a huge problem. Uh, Having said that, and I think the point was clearly made by many people there, and many of the witnesses made the point that, you know, the the situation isn't something that came all of a sudden on government. This is going back to 2014, when some of these first cases came up and have been you know, but dragging they were on since then. waiting for the European Court of Justice, weren't they? Well, the European Court of Justice went happened quite a time ago, but the, the, there was other cases that were, were coming forward. But to be bringing this forward in the last two weeks of the Dáil sitting uh, was in such a rushed manner, you know, we felt was, was pretty inappropriate. Now, the Minister is saying, in fairness, that there's going to come new legislation out which will supersede this later on, and we would welcome if that would happen, because it, it's certainly the, the case that it, it, it doesn't, uh, fulfil the needs or the requirements of anyone here and the first priority has to make sure that the public is kept safe but also that people's privacy is, is adhered to and is, is looked after in respect of that. There was issues for instance about something that would interest yourselves about, about journalists and their sources and how that would be protected and how that would be looked after and that isn't in the bill at all. There was a number of other issues uh, that were missing from it that could probably be put into it easily enough but our time is very very short to do that and usually when you come with very short times like this the Department of Justice means that they're just going to allow no amendments and rush it through. And was that what happened at the end? Is it clear that the government is going to essentially get this through really quickly before the recess? Well, the aim is to bring it before the doll next Fridays, and that is to, to get it through. And and the time period then to to make amendments and then to incorporate that into into the law uh, is is very tight. Um, so it, it would seem unlikely that those amendments will be taken on board. Of course, it'll be up to the department themselves to decide that. Uh, but it would seem unlikely. I think that's the concern for many members. Yeah. So let's move on to the cost of living. There's been a relentless focus from Sinn Féin. They're hardly bringing up anything else at Leaders' Questions yeah. these days, um, calling for an emergency budget. The government is saying, wait until the autumn. But isn't it true what the Thonish the Leo Radker said today, that if the government brought forward an emergency budget, Sinn Féin would turn around and say it's inadequate and would demand more measures? Well, I think, first of all, we have to recognise that there's a crisis out there for very, very many people, particularly those that are renting, for those that are trying to pay mortgages. The government recognises that, but they're but, saying, wait until well, the autumn. wait is fine, but for many families that I meet and for many people that come into my constituency, and it's the same for all TDs, you know, I speak to government backbench TDs as well, they have the same issues. And... Uh, 
certainly the, the, the public appetite is that they hear on one hand, the like at the ESRI coming out with the report saying, you know, that the, 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 the estimates for the next year were going to be well over that, that we're going to have at least 1.2, maybe 1.3 billion in excess. And we have, you know, a fund in place for COVID. There's an emergency fund there. Hasn't been touched, likely, well, hopefully, won't be needed by the look of things. But there's certainly an emergency in cost of living that some of that money could be diverted toward to assist people. We could be doing something to help people that are, you know, paying very, very high childcare costs for to help families out there that are, you know, struggling uh, with the cost of living. Particularly, I think the cost of rent is one of the big ones for very, very many families. And we're joined now by our political coverage editor, David Murphy. It was floated this morning in the Irish Times that the government perhaps is considering moving the budget forward a small bit, perhaps to the end of September. What are you hearing? Well, I think it's a strong possibility that that will happen. It'll come up a cabinet uh, perhaps next week. Um, I think one thing to consider in all of this is how much difference is that really going to make? I mean, if they do bring it forward by perhaps a week or two, uh, obviously the question is, will they immediately implement the measures which they announce? So I think the key thing people will be looking out for is what's going to happen in terms of tax and secondly, what's going to happen in terms of social welfare? There have been a lot of calls, not just among the opposition, but also on the government benches for, you know, a doubling in terms of the social welfare uh, benefits that would be given in light of the cost of living increase. A lot of the budgets we've had in the past, they've basically amounted to a fiver for everyone uh, per week. So they probably need to think about going a good bit beyond that. So it was interesting to see some of the remarks that the Taunashta Leo Varadkar made to the Fine Gael parliamentary party meeting during the week. And he, he was very much looking at the case of the average full-time worker who in Ireland gets around €40,000. But at that level, any sort of pay increase they get um, would be 52% of that between income tax, PRSI and USE. 52% of that would be eaten up by way of tax. So what he said was that what they want to be able to do is that any pay increase won't all be eaten up in tax. So that's a strong hint that they're, they'll be looking at significantly moving the tax bans, which I think in an era of very high inflation of roughly 8% or so, um, that really would be merited because if you're, even if you're getting like a 4% increase in your pay and if inflation, for example, was to run it, 8%, well, then you're down 4%. So they, they need to mitigate against those factors. And Martin, if the government did move ahead and move the budget, let's mm -hmm. just say two weeks earlier, would Sinn Féin be happy with that? I don't think it's it would be it would be anything like like really it's it's an emergency now and I think people need to have have that dealt with now. But, but clearly the government have set their face against it and they're not going to do that. Um, I think if they moved it, anything that it would come forward would be better than where it's a way out in October. I mean, we're we're only coming to July now, so like it 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 is it is difficult to see how so many people are going to have such a difficult time over the whole summer and. From the point of view of the ordinary person out there, government doing little or nothing to help them. And David, next week looks like a big week in terms of framing the budget. We're going to get the summer economic statement, the six-month exchequer returns. This is all going to feed into what's actually available. Yeah, I think the exchequer returns are actually going to be quite interesting in the sense that like, increasingly we're seeing a huge amount of corporation tax coming in from a small number of companies, albeit very, very large companies, and they're adding enormously to the um, coffers. And, you know, 
there are two pieces of bad news a government can possibly have. One is you don't have enough money or the other one is when you're trying to send out a message that uh, you can't be spending money all the time is when the economic experts come along and say, you know what, you're going to run a surplus this year. In fact, you're going to have a billion and a half euro left over uh, in the absence of any changes. And that's what the ESRI effectively said last week. And so when you've got lots of money, it's very difficult to turn around to people on the back benches, particularly among the government parties, and say, no, we need to hold the line. And it's probably equally difficult to turn around to the opposition and say, no, we need to hold the line. But I guess that there are a few different factors that the government are trying to juggle in a sense that they uh, firstly have the prospect of a slowdown internationally on the horizon. Still, the economic figures for Ireland look okay. But the only thing you've got to remember is that there's a fantastic history in this country of economic forecasts being badly wrong. And they're particularly poor at predicting really big changes in the economy. Uh, they can be changes up or changes down. So they can't really rely that much on the forecasts and what the experts say because, you know, experts can be wrong. And the forecasting, particularly for a country like Ireland, is a bit like the weather forecast it's not very good very far into the future. You can forecast about six months ahead, but beyond that, it gets it gets a bit ropey. So the difficulty is that if they make huge commitments in terms of spending and then they don't have the tax revenues to back that up in future years, then they get into the situation where they look as if they're going to run a deficit. If they run a deficit when they've got a very high, very high uh, amount of national debt, well, then they could be looking into trouble. And if you look at what's happened in terms of uh, borrowings in Ireland, at the beginning of the year, we were able to borrow money at 0%. And now we're borrowing money at two and a half percent. We're not up at Italy where the cost of borrowing is zooming up. But you just need to be careful of all of that when you've borrowed 237 billion, as indeed Ireland has. Uh, Martin, so basically there, there's a, an urging there to, for Ireland to be prudent. Yeah. But the other side of it is the tax figures next week. We know we're going to tell us that the government has been way ahead of its yeah. targets this year for taking in money. So how, what, what's, how is Sinn Féin going to react to that? Well, I, th I think the way we react to that is we make it clear that, you know, there needs to be a targeted approach to assist people who are at the bottom, who are finding it very difficult to survive and to manage in this present circumstances. And at the same time, I accept, you know, that we, we can't be, you know, over the top either. We can't just uh, give everything to everyone. But at the same time, we need to ensure that we invest in our services, particularly. I mean, the situation with, with healthcare services is, is really in a crisis across many parts of the country as well. And that's an area that we need big development in. The housing is still a huge issue for, for very many people out there. So the, what, and the we, solution so is more to, big, big spending? Well, we, yeah, we need to we need to invest. I, I, I don't know. You see, sometimes we, we, we get into this notion that, that when government spends money, there's going to a black hole and gone forever. It's not, you know, and an economy isn't like a household budget, as people often try and tell you. It's actually quite different to that. You know, it has a dynamicism of its own. And uh, when you invest in the economy in the right way and create jobs and create opportunity for people, that creates more activity and creating its own more opportunity and that's what government needs to do and we can if we can get that spiral to go upward in the right places to improve people's lives that would be that's where we need to spend the money and critical to that is to get the tax revenues back in so we can spend in housing and that we can spend in health and spend in these places 
that will make a difference to people's lives. Because I know a lot of young people who graduate, who particularly from, from my own area of Sligo Leitrim, you know, we have a lot of people go away to college, they graduate, they get very, very good incomes and very good jobs, but they're not, can't afford to live in Ireland. Because most of the jobs that they want to do are in Dublin or somewhere where they can't afford to rent a house. And that's, that's unfortunate. So we need balanced regional development as well, which bring people back into the areas where they grew up and where they want to live and where it would be uh, more cost efficient for okay. them to live. And, you know, th there are opportunities to do all of that. But that's for government to make the right decisions in order to deliver it. And David, just one last uh, issue that has been a real political hot potato over the last while, Navin Hospital. The HSE seem to be on a, a collision course with the government. The HSE saying they they want to press ahead with uh, closing the emergency department at the hospital. The government say it's paused. Where are we now? Well, the dynamics over the weekend were quite fascinating. We had Paul Reid, the chief executive of the HSE, on the This Week programme on Radio 1 giving very stark and unambiguous warnings about the issues about keeping the emergency department at Navan Hospital operating as it is. He says it needs to be reconfigured, which would see thousands of patients go to Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drada. And he was very clear that that's what the HSE want to do, despite what's uh, the issues that have been raised by government. And about five hours after he uh, gave that interview, there was a very strong statement from Stephen Donnelly, the health minister, saying there's no sanction been given by government to change uh, the situation in Navan Hospital, that they want reassurance that there will be additional resources put into Drogheda and uh, that the, the whole issue has to be ironed out with government before the HSE could proceed. And then the following morning, um, we had a statement from uh, Paul Reid saying he would be leaving the uh, HSE at the end of the year, leaving his role as chief executive. Now, there's no direct connection between the two. And indeed, Mr. Reid says he wants to spend more time at his, with his family. He's gone through an incredible period during the pandemic, leading the HSE when perhaps it's been under more pressure than it ever was. Having said that, the timing just did raise some eyebrows. Timing was unfortunate. And, and Sinn Féin um, are in favour of leaving Navan Hospital as it is. Is that an indication that yeah, if well, Sinn Féin were in charge, they wouldn't want to take politically tough decisions? Well, I think you have to take decisions which will work for the communities that we live in and for people who need services. And, and you know, Navan Hospital is an example of that and the campaign by the community, therefore, to keep the services in their area, I, I think is very understandable. And unless you're going to make changes where you can show that people are actually going to have a better service from it, and that evidence hasn't been presented as of yet. We have a similar situation in Sligo at the moment where cardiac services are being withdrawn. We had a cat lab in Sligo two days a week from the back of a truck, which was taken away this week because it was provided by a private provider. So there's going to be no cardiac services north of a line from Galway to Dublin. And that's a real, real problem because we have thousands and thousands of people who need those services every day of the week and they simply won't be able to get it close to them. And, you know, we need to put the investment in in order to be able to build our economies in the regions. OK, well, we're going to leave it there for this week. Uh, thank you to my guests and thanks for listening to the Your Politics podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review.